Welcome back to Planet Product Owner. This is your host, Scott. Hope you're enjoying our episodes so far. Uh, it, looking at the list here, we're up to like 15 episodes and we're well over 1,200 uh, listens, so that's good. I like the numbers behind that. You're not alone. You're out there, as a listener told me. Um, he said, we are out here, man. You got to keep going. So as long as you're out there, as long as I'm seeing plays on this thing, uh, we're going to keep going. I got plenty of content, plenty of things to talk about. I saw something on LinkedIn uh, last week or a couple of weeks ago or something to the effect of if you, um, you know, if you ask me why it take it only takes me 30 minutes to get this done, it's because I have the experience to do it in 30 minutes. Um, I think that's a pretty, uh, that I love that. I actually shared that out, didn't take credit for it, obviously, but I actually love the way that that was put it's because uh, the idea here is that as you gain experience, you become the SME. And remember, early on, we talked about assimilating into the SME role. I think that's uh, I think that's real important as product owners because we do have to keep creating. We do have to keep innovating. We do have to keep adapting, inspecting, and adapting, which is, you know, fundamentally what we do in these kinds of environments and these cultures that we're trying to push. So today, what I want to talk about is user stories. Now, again, I have a long list in my backlog of uh, things that we want to talk about on these episodes coming up. Coming soon, we're going to talk about several different things that are kind of new. I feel like we kind of dove into the big session, the traditional meets Agile. Um, we, we dove into that kind of deep, and some of that was kind of boring, I'm sure, for some of you. Um, but I hope you got some value out of it. I, I did get some feedback on those episodes, and, and a lot of people told me that they found some things in there that were in, of interest. So if you got bored through the first segment or whatever of some of those previous three episodes, go back and listen, have a listen, skip around, jump to a different segment, rewind, fast forward, play it at a faster speed, whatever. You may pick something up out of there. Um, but today we're going to talk about user stories. And there's a couple of different segments in this one that I want to talk about. I want to talk about traps to look out for, and I want to look at uh, what makes for a good user story. Now, some of you are using templates. A lot of you are using templates for user stories. Of course, the um, most popular template out there, I guess, for user stories is the as a, as an actor, I want to do something so that some value is achieved, and I'm done when I check this box, 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 right? Check, 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 check. Okay, so... Before we actually get into the format of the template of the user story and how I use these stories to be effective, I want to talk first of all about a couple of traps to look out for. Now, there, I, usually when I coach product owners or coach a group uh, who are training or trying to become a product owner, I, use, I have five traps. Today, I'm not going to talk about all five of those traps. I'm just going to talk about uh, a couple of them, maybe two or three. Um, the first one that I want to talk about is um, a trap that, that we often find in uh, in our development effort or in our team, you know, elaboration effort is that product owners sometimes just consider a user story to just be simply a written sentence. Well, here's the thing. I think that it is a written sentence written simply. I don't think it's simply a written sentence. Let me tell you what I mean by that. It, a user story describes new or changed functionality that would be valuable to an external stakeholder, uh, stakeholder 
of a system or software. Okay, so describing new or changed functionality that's going to be valuable to the user. That's what we're talking about in a user story. Now, the way that you construct this, um, before we start talking about the actual construction of it, let's talk about what it takes to construct one of these. So, essentially, we're talking about a written description um, of the story. Um, and, and really, the story was, was really intended um, as a reminder to have a conversation. So, when we're talking about that card or that first C, you know, we're talking about a written description of that story that we can use for planning. Uh, we can use it as a reminder to have a conversation. Um, so that's really the first element of of a user story. And I don't care what your template or your format is. The, the, the purpose of this whole thing is to have some idea that's going to be of value, that's going to be new or updated or changed or edited or whatever for the functionality, so that we can talk to the team about it and understand what it's going to take to make that happen. Okay. The the second part of it is a conversation, right? And we talk about the conversation. The conversation about the story, that's going to flesh out all the details of the story. The conversation should be where we identify what those requirements are that we're pointing to. Uh, we're going to talk about what the end game is for that user. What is the goal? And what I'm really trying to do here is describe the goal in my user story. Um, this conversation is really important for us because you can't do this in a vacuum. Because we've talked about before language barriers. We've talked about translating. We've talked about speaking in different terms. We've talked about speaking different languages. You know, and I'm not talking about, you know, Telugu, Hindi, Spanish, Czech, whatever, English. I'm talking about language as it relates to our domain. You know, how are we going to get the point across to our team? And how is the team going to get their point across to you, product owner, <laughs> about their understanding of it? And you can't have that without a, a good conversation about it, okay? And then finally, you know, you want to have a definition of done. You know, when is it complete? When is that finished? Those tests should be part of your story, okay? Now, it should be part of your story somewhere. It doesn't mean that it's going to be in the... Uh, in the phrases that we string together to describe what we're talking about, but it may be in your acceptance criteria or in your conditions of satisfaction or however you want to relate to it. Now, if you want to learn more about conditions of satisfaction, check out a guy named uh, Roman Pitchler. Um, been listening to him and watching him for a long time. He's really jammed up, does a good job of explaining it. Um, I really like the way that he relates to the team and relates to the product owner when he's talking, so go check him out. It's, it's a great resource. He's a, he's a really good guy to listen to. Um, so when we talk about this written sentence, it is a, uh, it is a written, it, it's a simply written sentence, but it's not simply a written sentence. I hope you can kind of tell the difference between that. Um, I think that's one of the traps. So let's talk about one of the, one of the other traps that we're talking about. Um, and I've seen product owners do this a lot. Um, wherever I've been, I've seen I've seen product owners kind of fall into this trap. Um, everything is a story. That's kind of the second big trap. A story, you know, when, when you talk to a product owner, and you'd be surprised how many product owners I've asked a question for in workshops, in training sessions, in, um, you know, in settings where we're trying to do some coaching or some, uh, you know, center of influence type, you know, 
uh, elaboration or what have you. And I'll say, what is a user story? And I don't really get good answers. Um, sometimes I get no answers. Um, and then ultimately somebody says, well, a story is just some kind of code that needs to be written. Well, that's not necessarily true. Not everything that a team does is a user story. Sometimes a team's going to request you to write a story for them to produce some kind of code. And that really goes against the purpose of a user story because remember what we talked about about the user story. The user story describes new or changed functionality. I don't, the user's not going to get any benefit out of creating, you know, the back end code or the code behind what, how you handle the web service or how you handle, um, the database keys or the indexes, right? I mean, that that's really not going to benefit the user. Now, that's not to say you couldn't put that in user terms. So, you know, you have to compromise sometimes with your team. I understand when you get in a jam and they're just demanding, well, we need a show for this, we need a show for that, and we need to merge this code. I get it. But, you know, a lot of systems that you use, like Jira, for example, tasks are widely accepted. Those could be contributing to complete the story but the user story is not always just some code that needs to be written there's a purpose behind the story the story needs to complete that journey it needs to be independent it needs to be part of the step it needs to be the slice it needs to be all those things that we talk about now we're going to get into that a little bit more in the next segment um, but I do want you to keep in mind product owner that you don't have to write a story for every single piece of code that somebody writes on your team remember it's going to describe newer change functionality that's valuable to a user. Um, and it could be usable to another system, by the way. Uh, there's system stories too, but that's not a user story. Let's make sure we're separating those. Um, I think another trap that we run into is that stories are not in the user voice. We, uh, we run into that a lot, by the way. Um, you know, for example, as a system, as a developer, as a... You know, as a uh, team lead, as a tester. <laughs> well, I mean, unless your tester is a user all the time, you know, then, and if your tester is a user all the time, just use it as a user because your user is the tester, but your tester is not the user. Does that make sense? So I think we run into that trap a lot when stories are not in the user voice. See, the thing is, is when you put a story, a user story in the user voice in first person, the design and intent in that is to put your mind and your perspective, your hat, so to speak, on as the user. That's why it starts out with as a user. <laughs> because, because what we're really trying to do here is we're trying to produce value for the user. So, so does that make sense now? So don't let everybody bully you into writing stories. I mean, you can still write them, but they're just not effective and they're not going to add value to your users if you're writing stories that start out with as a developer or as a tester okay or as a dev team uh, or as a scrum master or as a product owner no my gosh as a product owner don't don't mm -mm, no now i'll say that and let me give you an alternative here okay i think it's okay to write a story um from the perspective of a stakeholder or a reports viewer or as a content author, or as a um, reporter of the reports, whatever, aggregator. Those things are okay, because in the end, they are the targeted audience, so to speak, for the change in the functionality. 
that we're trying to describe that adds value to them. Okay, so I find that to be acceptable. Um, let's talk about um, let's talk about one more trap, and then we'll move off this segment. And I think that this was a really important one, by the way. We don't have a um, we don't have a lot of acceptance criteria, or we can't show work. You know, remember we're describing new functionality that adds value. Defining value, and we've said this before, it's sometimes tricky, but at the end of the sprint, the team should have something to demo from each story. If there's a lot of technical debt, you know, or something like that, you may have a task that you can show, but that's not a user uh, a user story if it's not in the user hands. If it's dummy data, it's not in the user hands. Does that make sense? So we should be showing our work, showing our stories in a working system. And I'm talking about usable, independent, testable, and complete. So when you're trying to describe to your team or your team's trying to describe to you what the definition of done is, which, by the way, you really need to have that documented up front before you start the sprint. Meet with your team, get your scrum master together, and get that definition of done uh, mapped out. But the idea here is that you need to be showing this work and not just at the sprint review, not just at the sprint demo. Not just that, you know, every other Friday or every other Monday, whenever it is you show your work, you need to be constantly seeing that stuff and showing it and demonstrating these stories. Because the idea is that if you can't show the work, then it's not independent. If it's not independent, you can't test it if it's not usable, right? So you got to be real careful about those things, all right? So that's it for the traps today, what we want to talk about in this next segment. I want to talk about the template for a little bit, and I want to talk about the invest model, which is something that is widely accepted to use when we're talking about some of the guidelines or standards for the stories and how they're constructed. So hang tight. We'll get to that one in the next segment. So let's talk about making this template uh, more effective for us when we're writing user stories for our team and for the benefit of the team to get our stuff done more effectively. Um, I want to point out, and I've said this before in a previous earlier episode, that your language that you use as a team, your domain language, how you start to learn each other's language and stuff like that, I think it's really important as you're elaborating these and you put it in terms that they can understand. Y'all remember my old adage, the old tell me like I'm three years old. That that sticker really needs to be um, on your forehead a lot. But here's the thing. Sometimes we need to go deeper than a three-year-old, right? And I want to sh- share with you, uh, and I'm going to try to pull together a couple of different episodes while I'm walking through this because I think this is really going to start making sense to you about what makes these uh what makes some of these templates more effective um if you recall we talked about um precondition trigger post condition or precondition post condition trigger right um learning your team's language is important um and consistency in your stories is important now when we're talking about these conditions and triggers uh, it, let's let's start with the 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 good conversation starter of your average bears template, right? As a, I want to, so that. So let's talk about as a for a minute and how that relates to preconditions. This is going to be fun, so hang tight, stick with me. 
Um, this is the part, this as a part, this phrase describes the actor. Now, <clears throat> let's say that we have, um, let's say that we have a user of the system. Now, y'all remember I started talking about at one point questioning to the void. Y'all remember that? Tell me more about this actor. What makes this actor special? Is this actor logged in? Okay, so it's an authenticated user. Um, does this actor have uh, more than one role in the system? Or is it just one role? What, what kinds of roles do they have? Um, let me ask you this. Are they registered for this part of the activity or are they not? Um, have they already registered? Do they need to register? Right? So all of those are preconditions for the actor. And so a lot of times my as a, I'm going to look and see, okay, what makes this actor so special to this goal or unique for this goal? Or does it even? It may not. Um, how can it be, how can you describe the actor, right, um, for best testing, uh, for best demonstrating, for best uh, proving the outcome? That's one thing that I ask. And then y'all know my favorite word, my favorite term, rather, sharp contrast. What, what Are there any sharp contrasts for the audience? You know, for this user in this particular audience, what kind of audience does this user belong to that makes them specific for this goal? That could be used as another precondition or, or could be demonstrated, I guess, as another precondition for this particular actor. So um, let me ask you this. Should some users need this and some users not need it or have access to it or run through this or view this? You know, those are some of the other exceptions or limitations, right? And so your as a statement if you include the preconditions when we're talking about things like this, it may be as an authenticated user who has already registered for blah, blah, blah. Or as a user who should not have the outcome of blah, 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 you know, or whatever, right? I mean, the idea, though, is that the more preconditions that you use, and using those preconditions are typically based off of a trigger that it happened in some kind of post condition. So they're registered for it. They're not. They're authenticated. They're not. They're in the domain. They're not in the domain. They're already a customer. They're not a customer. They're a prospect. They're a, 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 a heavy user, right? So, I mean, any of those kinds of things will fly on this in this as a. Let me tell you what this does. When you start adding your preconditions in the as a statement, Okay, or in the, as a phrase of the statement, I guess. You start putting your team in mind um, of what kind of logic checks that they have to make in order to set up the test condition properly. And you also go ahead and let whoever's testing it, if it's not just your general dev team testing, if you have a specific tester on your team. Now, if you utilize this as a statement pretty well with these preconditions, they know who is in scope and who is not in scope. And if it appears by your precondition and your as a of that actor that they are out of scope, it's going to prompt your tester to ask you, product owner, what about these users? And you may say, yes, no, I don't know. I need to go back and check, right? So it just keeps the conversation going, right? If you're doing this part of your story building, and I would say, again, product owner, you want to get 80% of this done before you turn it over to the team. That's just my, that's just the way I do it. I, I run 80% of my stories. I get them 80% complete before I run them by the team. Team comes back, asks me questions. If I don't know them, I go back. 
to my share care time. They point me to an SME. If they're not, in fact, the SME, I get the answer. I bring it back. Done. That's it, right? Now we know who our test, uh, who we're testing for. We know what the scope of it is. We know the user. We understand who can and can't do this thing. You know, all that stuff is put in, and it's built into the as a phrase uh, or the as a section of that template. So I hope that helps. Now, let's jump to I want to. I want to, and this is something, again, this leads to some confusion sometimes, you know, because you're a product owner, right? You're sitting there, well, as a user, I want to do this so I can do that. Well, you know, some of these things are, uh, some of these things can be generic. Um, the idea here is that you want to have a, uh, the idea is that you want to convey um, some outcome here, right? I mean, it's not just about, um, let me see if I can help right there. You want to be flexible is what I'm trying to say. You want to, you want to, you want to lead into some generic action or opportunity or enablement to describe some action to take or be provided. Okay. So you want to be flexible here and it doesn't always have to be an, I want to, just so you know, it can be a, I can, I should, I want to. I'd like to, I need, I am with some action verb. And even I don't want to, or I should not see, or I should not be able to. All those are okay. Here's the, here's the idea. A lot of product owners get hung up on this. I want to uh, phrase of the story um, because they want to get it so right and so perfect. But the idea, as long as you're describing that, generic action or opportunity or enablement or view or description of some action or whatever to take or they need to take or to be provided to them, then you're accomplishing your goal in that story. It may not be the most eloquent thing in the world, but hey, I mean, as long as you're describing it and the team understands what you're trying to get done or prevent from happening, uh, you're going to be fine. All right. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be so grammatically correct and all the time, right? But it does have to be pretty clear, um, pretty clear on the description enough to meet the goal. Um, we also have to make sure that this action is something that leads to some kind of benefit, which is the so that phrase of the story, right? We want to lead to the benefit. We want to lead to the goal. I know this seems obvious, but sometimes thinking of the goal first and working backwards might help you arrive at this phrase that I want to phrase. So you're so that because, and, and here's why I say this, because you're so that, that's the benefit you're going for. That's the valuable outcome you're looking to gain. That's the driver for the what, the why. It's the why, the so that, you know, that, think in terms of that why, you know, it's beneficial, right? So the why is the driver for the what. So this part of the phrase is some outcome that likely builds into or complements another story, uh, like a part of the overall goal or it concludes the overall goal, or it supports the overall goal, or it is part of the overall goal, right? Does that make sense? So that so that is the benefit. So uh, so really, that, that those are the kinds of things that I would like to, to kind of share with you today. The as a part, use a precondition. Um, the more preconditions you can put around that user or that actor, it will really help the testing, the scope of testing, who has the goal. Um, the I want to phrase that can be again, I can, I should, I want to, I'd like, I need, I am doing, I am seeing, or I don't want to, I should not, you know, all of that, as long as you're describing it, that's good to go. Right. Um, and, um, 
and you know in the and the so that part is um you know think of that as why is it beneficial why what is it that i'm going to gain by by these actions that i prescribe uh, described before you know in this thing the main thing about the user stories guys is that it it's a tool for conversation and you know as long as you can do that now i have had people ask me before it's like all right so do you modify your acceptance criteria or your conditions of satisfaction when the team works on a story when they commit to it um i will say while it's not a common practice i would say it is a practice of mine i'm okay with that i'm okay with um i'm okay with modifying some stuff because we're going to learn and if we're not learning then you know i mean gosh if we knew everything we wouldn't be doing this right so i'm okay with adapting that story for a little bit you know now if we agreed on it and it's cut and dry and it's solid and depending on your cultural um you know cultural fit there in the gag factor of the organization you're with maybe they don't want you doing that maybe they want you to stick to it but y'all remember what i told you in the past i always lean towards progress if i can get something out the door might not have everything there it, i'm willing to take if i'm willing to take the risk then i'm all in and i'll i'll you know i'll wrap whatever we need to in that to make the team feel good about what they did if it serves the purpose and it reaches the goal so let's review a little bit um just kind of land this thing i guess if that's what we call it anymore <laughs> i don't know i think a lot of times as a product owner we get wrapped up around the processes that might exist in our organization and we get roped into this one template, one template, one way, one route, one path. And guys, that's really not the case. I mean, a lot of times what it takes for us is to innovate, actually. I mean, the whole thing in this is that if we wrap ourselves around the process too much and we get wrapped around the wheels of that, um, of having that, of having that format that we have to stick to and, um, you know, and we miss the point or our dev team doesn't really understand what it is that we're working on or or what they're going to produce or how they're going to test it then you know that then then the template and kind of the the process and the method is really not helping us any right and we got to be aware of that so you know a couple of ways you can handle that one is you improve your story writing right within the constraints or confines of whatever it is that's being uh, prescribed or mandated down to you in your organization or you simply go outside the box a little bit and then you wrap whatever you can into that process and work under it. So I'm not going to say there's a one size fits all. I will say this, that a user story is the whole purpose of a user story is to have a conversation with your team about the goal. It should it should describe the goal that you want the user to experience to get that gained value out of it. Right. And it. And it, and it oftentimes and almost always must describe some new functionality, you know, or some changed functionality that adds value to the user. So think in terms of those preconditions and how you can look at, you know, go back and look at some of your stories that you got right now and think about how you can maybe uh, modify, you know, some of those some of those stories in the as they statement, for example, in that phrase, that first part. How can you add some preconditions in that that would make it easier for your testers to get a test deck or to identify users in the system that we want to try this with? Um, how will it help your developers if you put some preconditions into that as a statement? How will it help your developers 
to understand the right kind of logic they need to put, what kind of checks they need to put, which kinds of services to provide or to pull from, which flags that they need in the system. So those are conversations that I'm trying to get you to get you to start thinking about um, with your as a statement in there. Talk to your development team about it. Talk to your scrum master and say, hey, look, I really want to help us uh, narrow down our test scope. I want to help us be more productive in testing. I want to help us get better outcomes of our stories, more demonstrable work. And yeah, Nyla, I'm going to go ahead and say it demonstrable. But anyway, the idea is that we want to be able to produce this stuff in a way that we can show what we've done. And we have to provide the value to the user in these smaller chunks of work, right? It's potentially shippable. Keep that in mind. It's potentially shippable. We'll talk more about user stories in another uh, episode. But I take some of this back to your desk. Take some of this back to your retro. Take some of this back to just your share care time with your development team or with your Scrum Master product owner. And think in terms of how you can qualify these stories a little bit more effectively with some of the tips that we've covered today. And come up with your own. I'm really interested in hearing what you come away with. What are some of the tricks and the tips that you have to share? Um, I really look forward to those, uh, to those comments and that feedback at um, scott at planetprojectowner.org. Thanks, and y'all have a safe, fun, lean journey, my friends. Till next time.